Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we keep hearing that competency and STEM skills are critical to the careers of the future, and yet those who stand to benefit the most often understand them the least. Also this morning in our community and business spotlight, Findlay Optimal Health, a multifocal medical practice to keep you in optimal health. The minute the weather turns warmer, everyone wants to get outdoors, including the family dog. We'll tell you about an innovative new system that uses GPS technology to keep them safe in the backyard. In our high school basketball preview, Finley head coach Jim Rookie previews the Trojans' sectional final against Anthony Wayne tonight. And we have another collection of yummy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, February 24th, 2023. I think this was, I think it's a big conspiracy. I think, I am not one for conspiracy theories, but I think that this is a big conspiracy between the uh, medical research industry and the greeting card industry and the florists of America and the chocolate makers of America. I think they're all in cahoots because how else can you explain the fact that this is just now coming to light. It says here, a new study examined nearly 7,000 adults between the ages of 45 and 84, and they find that being a single man, being single as a man, increases the likelihood of dying from heart failure. (laughs) Uh... Over the course of a decade, 94 participants received a heart failure diagnosis in this study. Nearly 7,000 people. Men who had never been married were twice as likely to pass away within five years after being diagnosed. Where was this information pre-Valentine's Day? Why are we just now learning about this? There's got to be some conspiracy here. Uh, Interestingly, men who were widowed or divorced did not show an increased risk of dying. Only those who had never been married. And they were twice as likely to pass away within five years after being diagnosed. Marital status, another interesting tidbit of information in this study. Marital status was not a predictor of death for women. Only for men and only for men who had never been married. A married man's access to support, home health monitoring, and better health behaviors, they say, probably accounts for the difference. But why are we just now learning about this? Where was this information before Valentine's Day? I think I smell a rat. This is kind of interesting. Uh, Now that you know that, okay, now that you know that research, consider this. Data from the Pew Research Center says 63% of men under the age of 30 are single. That is up from 51% in 2019. So that's a 12% increase in, what, four years. It suggests that more men are opting to stay at home post-pandemic, they say. Psychologist Fred, Fred Rabinowitz says that uh, young men are watching a lot of social media, they're watching a lot of porn, (laughs) and getting a lot of their needs met without having to go out. (laughs) Well, okay. 
In contrast, only 34% of women under 30 say they are single. So 63% of men under 30, but only 34% of women under 30 are single. This might suggest that young women are not finding men of the same age desirable. Well, yeah, because they're spending all their time at home watching social media and porn. That's, I mean, that's not that hard to figure out. But again, what these two things suggest is that within the next five years, a large number of young men are going to drop dead. That's what, that's basically what they're saying. <laughs> large, large percentage of the male population is about to drop dead. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's see. Um, now, here's, this may be one reason why there are so many single men. This is a uh, TikTok uh, video that has gone kind of viral. Um, it's from a woman by the name of Nadine Hui. H-U-I. Is that how you pronounce it? Hui? Nadine Hui. Uh, she's got social media all abuzz after putting her boyfriend on a probation period <laughs> to improve their relationship. As a last straw, she said, we decided to do a performance improvement plan. <laughs> now, if you are in the corporate world, you know that uh, generally an employer will put a, a worker on a performance improvement plan as sort of a last resort before letting someone go. You know, if you're at risk of being fired, your boss will call you in and put you on a performance improvement plan to give you one final chance to meet the expectations of your job before being fired. <laughs> and so that's what she's done with her boyfriend. She said, he's an engineer, and sometimes it's really hard to communicate with him without using something that he can already relate to. So <laughs> this, uh, this was how she uh, did that. The plan includes weekly tasks, household chores, and things he's responsible for. And if he doesn't improve, he's out of here. <laughs> Alrighty then. <clears throat> and they wonder why so many men are single. That's, they have something to do with it as well. Uh, let's see here. This uh, big news among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Those who got to catch them all will be heading to Columbus, Ohio for the Pokemon North American Championships this year. Yeah, Columbus will be the host city Regional finalists participating in the tournaments from June 30th through July 2nd. Events involve the widely popular trading card game, video games, and the Pokemon Go augmented reality smart device app. The Columbus tournament is one of four around the globe that will determine who moves on to the world championships. So that's pretty cool. North American championships in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, June 30th through July 2nd, uh, I guess are the uh, dates. So if you are not into Pokemon, avoid Columbus, <laughs> those dates. And if you happen to be in Columbus and people are all wandering around with their nose in their phone for no apparent reason, it's the Pokemon championships. Now, you know, now, you know. So, uh, the Lenten season is here. What are you giving up for Lent? <laughs> they posed this question, what are you giving up for Lent? They posed this on Twitter, and the number one choice of what Twitter users are giving up for Lent 
is Twitter. <laughs> the uh, website openbible.info reviewed nearly 9,000 tweets this week and reported that 439 of those uh, were about giving up Twitter for Lent. And it was the number one thing that people said they were giving up. Alcohol ranked second with 352 tweets, followed by, uh, closely behind by social networking in general with 329 tweets. Food ranked as the top category with more than 1,300 tweets overall. So some food, followed by technology with just under 1,000 tweets. So food and then technology in general terms is what we're giving up for for Lent. Giving up smoking, drugs, or alcohol ranked uh, third among the categories. We're down that way, so kind of interesting. You're giving up for Lent. <clears throat> And uh, finally, speaking of uh, social media, if you have ever been put in Facebook jail, has that ever happened to you where you have most of the time inadvertently done something that Facebook decides that you shouldn't have done? Have you ever done that? Found yourself in Facebook jail or you haven't been able to, your account has been suspended for a time? Well, now Meta, the parent company of Facebook, says... Moving forward, it's going to be harder to land in Facebook jail. The social media giant says it's reforming its penalty system so that people will be less likely to have their accounts restricted for less serious violations of the company's policies. Meta said in a blog post yesterday that it will focus on helping people understand why their content was removed. Until now... Users could find themselves prevented from posting on Facebook for 30 days at a time for relatively minor policy violations. So now they're not going to send you to Facebook jail. You'll just kind of be in Facebook pur- purgatory, I guess. They'll help you try to help you understand why you were wrong. Please, Facebook, help me understand why I was wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure that'll go over a whole lot better. But uh, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny today, a high of 32. Partly to mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 25. The Hancock County Veterans Service Office and Owens Community College will be holding a Veterans Empowerment Fair this weekend. The free event will include more than 30 resource booths with information on support programs for veterans. It'll be held at Owens Community College off of Bright Road in Finley from 9 to 3 on Saturday. Nicole Coleman, Executive Director of the Hancock County Veterans Service Office, will give the welcome and opening remarks. Get more on the website. The Fostoria Police Division has wrapped up a very successful 10-month online sting. An undercover officer posing as a child in an online chat room arrested 15 people for allegedly attempting sex crimes against children during the sting operation. Many have already been convicted and sentenced, but some are still awaiting trial. I'm Clay Gordon. The National Transportation Safety Board's preliminary crash report is out for the East Palestine train derailment. Here are the big takeaways. The train did pass three detectors made to alert the conductor if the bearings are too hot. The last reading came back at 253 degrees. Now, some perspective here. Greater than 200 degrees is considered critical. I'm Tracy Townsend. 
The question, what can be done to prevent another train derailment in Ohio, was at the center of a hearing at the Ohio State House. John Esterly is the chairman of the Ohio State Legislative Board with the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers, the union that represents many railroad employees. Esterly is pushing for tighter safety regulations in a transportation budget request. He wants to see two-person crews maintained on freight trains and clear guidance on wayside defect detectors, which detect issues with rail cars. ONN's Lindsay Mills reporting. The Kiwanis Club of Finley Pancake Day fundraiser is coming up. Kwani and Sarah Clevedon says proceeds from Pancake Day will benefit Kiwanis projects in the community. Like our Kiwanis closets that are in all of the schools in Finley and Hancock County. Santa's house that we do uh, every year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, and the Clocker Memorial Park out of the Little Red Schoolhouse. Kiwanis Pancake Day will be held on Saturday, March 11th. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. times we heard that the careers of the future will revolve around the STEM skills of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And yet, a new survey from IBM reveals a variety of misconceptions about STEM skills, how best to obtain them, and the career fields they open up. As part of their effort to tackle these misperceptions and bring STEM education closer to historically underrepresented communities, IBM's newly appointed Chief Impact Officer, Justina Nixon-Saintil, joins us this morning. Justina, what are the biggest challenges to training for a role in one of those STEM fields today? Yeah, so we surveyed around 14,000 students, job seekers, and those who are changing careers. And we did this across 13 countries. And we found the biggest concern for respondents was that the training that's available today is too expensive. But they also shared that they don't always know where to start to find the right training based on their current skills and goals. And they also did not know enough about digital credentials and digital badges and how those can be used to enhance their profiles and resumes. So those were the biggest challenges that they mentioned as part of the results of the survey. So kind of want to focus in on uh, those, kind of take it one at a time. First of all, I'm curious about this. For those who are you know, again, just considering what career field they're going to go into or looking at changing careers. Should these learners focus simply on the technical training aspect of this, or is there also value in learning those more, I guess, universal professional workplace skills, if you understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, no, there's value in learning both. I think success in the workplace depends on having both the technical skills and those workplace skills as well. And when we look at what we offer, for example, through free programs like Skills Build, um, learners can get access to the technical courses, such as in cybersecurity and data analytics and cloud computing, but they could also get access to those workplace skills where, for example, how to be um, more collaborative, how do you communicate mm-hmm. um, better in the workplace so that you can get your point across, how do you manage your time, how do you problem solve, how do you problem solve. So those are some of the other training that's available uh, through the programs that we offer, but you really need those technical skills, but those workplace skills 
to be um, the most successful in the workplace. Yeah, the the so-called soft skills. So we want to make sure that we uh, don't ignore those. Um, what about these different types of certifications? As you mentioned, there are uh, shorter, uh, short, for, uh, short form programs that offer credentials. Uh, again, sometimes these are online, they're uh, in person, then you go all the way up to the traditional uh, college diploma or a technical school diploma. How do folks decide what type of training is best for their particular situation and where they want to go with their career? Yeah, I think what's great now is that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach, right? So there are so many choices that are available today for earning credentials and certificates. And also, the job opportunities enable anyone to be able to provide either. So, for example, if you are taking advantage of a four-year college degree, you can still pursue a digital credential as you do that. And this just really enhances your profile. It enhances your resume. If you are a seasoned worker, um, you could explore digital credentials as a way to upskill yourself in your current role. We see a lot of people doing that, right, um, when you consider cybersecurity. Every company now wants people to understand what cybersecurity means, how do you protect, um, you know, yourself, your employees' data, your clients' data? So it's important to just understand that these days. And we see a lot of people in their current roles taking advantage of cybersecurity courses. But if you want to move into an entry-level um, uh, job and you don't have a four-year degree or you're not currently in a, um, you know, in a role, you can also get that digital credential. And that really opens doors to a really good pay-in tech job. And I think that's what's important is that, you know, digital transformation is changing the entire workplace and creating all new roles across so many different industries. And this enables you to get a really great job in the tech field. You bring up a good point that this may be about uh, finding that uh, first career, getting an, an entry-level position that will uh, then allow you to move up the chain, or it may be uh working within an existing career to either expand your role or maybe shift your role. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean either starting a career or starting a new career. It could best be advancing within your existing role within a, a career that you are happy with. So uh, certainly a point there. You mentioned that that you have, and there are a number of, uh, of programs that are out there, but you have uh, online training that is available. How would someone take advantage of those online training programs? Yeah, so we have a program called Skills Build, and it is free and open to everyone. So anyone can visit skillsbuild.org to learn more about it. Now, is that one of the key, one of the other uh, things that you mentioned uh, from the uh, survey and, and we were alluding to is opening up pathways for historically underrepresented communities in tech fields to pursue careers in these STEM-centered uh, uh, fields. Is that one of the uh, key ways to, to do that? Yes, it is. In fact, we just announced 45 new partners that we are working with to bring skills build to those underrepresented communities. And, you know, overall, IBM has always had a strong commitment to training and education. And we recently made a commitment to skill 30, 30 million people worldwide 
by 2030. But we have hmm. a focus on communities that have been historically underrepresented in the tech field. So we are working with nonprofit organizations, with university partners, with government agencies um, to bring access to the skilling, the training, the learning pathways, but also helping to make connections to employment to those who have been underrepresented. For example, women, including mothers who are returning to the workforce, Mm -hmm. ethnic minorities, low-income individuals, and others. And IBM Skills Build is at the center of this um, initiative. Well, you think about that, 30 million individuals uh, that we could upskill and, and think about the uh, upward mobility and the prosperity that that could create uh, as a result. Uh, again, uh, Justina Nixon Santill is uh, IBM's newly appointed chief impact officer talking about the uh, future of STEM skills and the careers that they will uh, open up and making that training available that education available to the widest possible segment of people justina once again uh mention where folks can go for more information about these programs so they can go to skillsbuild.org to get free access to training both technical training but also workplace um learning skills as well that's skillsbuild.org good stuff justina thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it oh thank you so much for having me Big change in the weather from yesterday, wasn't it? Man, it was absolutely gorgeous yesterday. Of course, <laughs> have you ever noticed uh, that every time we get a couple of nice days in the month of February or we get into March and we get a couple of nice days, suddenly everyone wants to be outside. Now, I didn't get the chance to do that yesterday because I was under the weather, so... I was the closest I got in my misery to being outside and enjoying the warm weather yesterday was laying on the couch, but I had the sliding glass door uh, in the family room open, the uh, screen door, so I got uh, the breeze of the uh, the nice weather. So that was the closest I got. But but I have noticed that whenever we get a couple of those nice days, everybody suddenly wants to be outside, right? Um, and it makes sense. We've been cooped up. Uh, For the uh, winter, we want to get out of doors. And with spring less than a month away now, it's what, 24 days until spring, I think we were saying uh, a little bit earlier, 24 days, something like that, until spring arrives. We are all looking forward to spending more time in the fresh air, and certainly our dogs are as well. But we want to keep them safe in the backyard. And uh, I discovered this, I happened to come across this really cool idea that I thought I got to learn more about this. We are joined this morning by Sung Vivathana, who has invented a GPS pet fence system that he says improves on the older electronic fencing products that many people are familiar with. His company is called Spot On Fence. So how does this work and how is it different from other wireless fences? So spot-on GPS fence is the world's most innovative dog fence, the most flexible, reliable, and convenient pet containment solution on the market. And how it differentiates uh, from the uh, other products that have been out is what you're referring to is the buried wire fence, which is kind of wireless, uh, and um, physical fences. So what we do is 
we have incorporated GPS into our system. And we track up to 30 different GPS satellites and patented what's called true location technology into our system. So how does that work and what are the benefits then for pets and pet owners? So the way it works is you draw, you simply draw a fence uh, on your phone and download it to the collar. Okay. You create a fence that is as small as a half acre and as large uh, as thousands of acres. And what the other great benefit is it's highly portable, 100% portable. So once you create a fence, you could take it with you. It's not stuck at home. So not only can you use it at home, you could take it, uh, take your dog uh, and create a fence fishing, RVing, camping at grandma's house. So it's highly portable, and it's the same action you get when, when you're at home or on the road. So you mentioned uh, that you're using uh, GPS technology. I'm assuming this is the same as the sort of uh, Google Maps that we're familiar with. Is it it's basically the same uh, type of technology? It, it is the same uh, type of technology, but what we uh, in, implemented in the caller is a highly sensitive, accurate GPS antenna that is not found on your, on your phone. Uh, it is the same kind of map uh, service, so you could actually track your dog to within three feet, uh, pinpoint your dog to within three feet on okay. a nice uh, satellite image. That's what I was uh, kind of getting at because I know like when I'm using my GPS uh, navigation uh, in the car, sometimes it's sometimes it's real accurate and sometimes uh, not as much. It sometimes uh, bumps me off onto a side road that it thinks I'm on or something like this. But you say this is uh, much more this, the same, only better, much more accurate. That's right. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to be as ac- accurate as a physical fence or a buried wire fence because we know uh, that high accuracy is very important for pet owners and their their dogs because we want to keep them safe. And it could be the difference between um, a road or your front yard. Sure. So that's why we uh, put in the best technology possible and uh, the true location aspect of the technology. Well, I like what you mentioned too, and uh, it was actually going to be one of the questions that I had. You already answered the fact that this is uh, something that I can take with me uh, when I travel, and uh, it's just as simple as designating a new quote-unquote fenced-in area. That's correct. You can create and save up to 20 fences. So if you go to uh, uh, your another home that you have in, in the mountains, you can create a mm-hmm. fence there. And the best part about that is you get to take your dog with you. And when you spend time with your dog and your dog's outside and roaming, running free, being a dog, exercising and exploring – they're really happy when they do that. Yeah. And when they're really happy, they're healthy. And so we create that, allow that bond to happen. And we give the pet owners uh, peace of mind that the dog could be out and roaming and exploring and know that they're going to be within the boundaries that we set. And, you know, spending time with our dogs makes us happy. It makes us healthier. It get you know, it helps sure. with uh, less stress, um, sleep quality, uh, it boosts your immune system and, and so much more. So the bond that you create creates trust with you and your your dog. Win-win all the way around. Now, uh, having said all that, um, I also know that no system is 100% foolproof whether it's uh you know the traditional electronic fence or uh even a physical fence dogs have been known to you know get out uh and and so on so 
if they were to go beyond the enclosure in this situation, can the GPS then be be used to to locate a, a, a lost dog? So the GPS part of it provides the location. If your dog does escape the boundary or go over the go over the fence line, you get a notification through cellular to your phone that says, mm. "Hey, your dog left the boundary," and it's your your app or your phone starts tracking your dog in real time, so you can actually go find and recall your your dog. Yeah, that's even better than, like we said, the traditional uh, invisible fences that, uh, you know, if you still kind of have to keep your eye on them a little bit, and, and in this, it actually will notify you if there's been a, a quote-unquote breach of, uh, of the fence, as it were. So, uh, again, it's called Spot on Fence. Where do we get uh, more information uh, about this? Is this on the market now? Yes, it is. It's on the market, and you can find more information or purchase the caller at spotonfence.com, where we're running a 15% discount with a promo code SPRING. Uh, and again, with spring coming, uh, nothing could be easier. You get the uh, collar, you got the app, and you're good to go. I, it's a really a tremendous uh, idea. Again, Sung Vivathana is with us this morning, uh, the inventor of the Spot on Fence, and we've got a link up at our webpage as well if you want to check it out and learn more about it. Mr. Vivathana, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Goodmornings.net is our webpage where you can find that link. Pretty cool stuff. So I want to check that out. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Ashley Donaldson is here from Findlay Optimal Health. Still relatively new in the community. So, Ashley, first of all, talk a little bit of what Findlay Optimal Health is and kind of what your philosophy is. So, we are a private practice um, clinic. Uh, we have several different um, options for our patients. Primary care. Um, we see a lot of patients looking for a provider when they're sick. So we do believe in that allopathic regular medical model. However, we have so many services in the building um, that work with homeopathic therapies as well, um, chiropractic, massage, we do IV therapy, um, medicinal and um, homeopathically as well. So this is not your grandfather's doctor's office. No, it's not. It can be, but then there's so much extra along to it. It is uh, definitely uh, a more, I don't know, is holistic the, the word? If that's what you want, holistic okay. is what you get. Okay. Now, a couple of the things that, that you mentioned, uh, the types of therapy, IV therapy, for those, this is kind of a buzzword that maybe people have heard, not familiar with exactly how it works. What is that all about? So if you need to go to the emergency room and you feel like you're dehydrated, it's an option for you. Okay. Um, uh, just a regular bag of like normal saline or lactated ringers is what you would probably get in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. But then you also have, um, of course, the hangover therapy. Um, and then you have vitamin therapy for energy post um, viral COVID um, infusions with high dose vitamin C. Okay. Those are things that you're probably not going to get in a regular uh, medical facility. But you can provide those types of services. Absolutely. Now, is that self-referral or does that come from a primary care physician? Or I'm glad you asked because some of it, you just call um, and you make an appointment. You can have a consultation without getting the IV therapy. Okay. And then we have um, specialists in the community. We have OBGYN. We have orthopedics. Um, they're sending us their patients for hydration, IV antibiotics, um, and very unique um, IV therapies that... Um, that we're able to provide for those patients. You mentioned massages as another mm -hmm. uh, thing that you do. Now, obviously, a lot of folks uh, will, who doesn't like a good massage, uh, a lot of folks would not necessarily think of that as a medical type of, uh, of treatment. 
So actually, I mean, you can come in and get a relaxation and work on some psyche and some stress relief uh, mm-hmm. for an hour or 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of our massage therapists have several different certifications, but they do work um, medically. Like sometimes when I have a sinus infection coming into the door, I'll have them come in and we can manipulate those sinuses to help drainage. Um, and then they do pregnancy, they do uh, tendonitis and lymphatic drainage, all kinds of things. So it can be just for relaxation, mm-hmm. but it can be a medical therapy as well. And I would imagine in many cases, it involves a little bit of both. Yep, we get that chronic back pain, um, that spinal stenosis sure. where the, the nerves and the muscles are aching. Those cancer patients that aren't tolerating their therapies very well and they're aching. Uh, we see all kinds of people. You also recently added a full-time esthetician. For those who are not familiar with that term, what is that? So um, Skin Therapy by Danielle is uh, the esthetician services in the building provided by Danielle Coleman. She comes from California, has uh, many years of experience um, right outside um, Los Angeles in Orange County, California. So she brings that to Finley, Ohio. We're excited to have her, um, and she's doing... um, facials, um, dermaplaning, she does chemical peels, all kinds of crazy things. So if folks are interested in learning more, and again, we just kind of scratched the surface, you Mm -hmm. uh, provide an awful lot of uh, varied services, um, again, for medical purposes, for uh, relaxation, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, all all kinds of reasons why folks might uh, go to Finley Optimal Health. How do folks learn more about what you do and how to make an appointment, that kind of thing? Um, I would say the most informative way to learn about us is to go to our website, uh, finleyoptimal.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, um, and then you can call us. You can come in for a consultation for medical. Um, We do take insurances uh, for some services that are insurable. Other things are cash-based. We do take Medicaid. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention that we're doing for the OBGYN community is we're doing intralipid therapy for the IVF patients, and we are able to... um, help facilitate through five IVF pregnancies. So those women are women and families are very, very happy. Again, Ashley Donaldson with Finley Optimal Health with us this morning in our community and business spotlight. And what's the website where folks can learn more? Our website's uh, finleyoptimal.com, 567-250-8381. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. favorite time of year tournament basketball time trojans are in the sectional final against an anthony wayne team that has surprised many people this year earlier this week john marshall spoke with head coach jim rookie on the coach's corner this is what you work for all year the plan is always to be playing your best ball at this point in the season Last Friday, 64-54 over Lima Senior in the regular season finale would suggest that that may well be the case. Jake Bishop with 22, Will Cordonier 17, Luke Weirau had 11, and Sam Ernst 9. Do you feel good with that performance as your springboard into the tournament? Yes, I do. I, I think uh, really in the last month and a half or more maybe, I think we've played well. We've continued to get better. Um, you know, we've had different guys step up some nights, but uh, defensively we've gotten better and better, and that's been really consistent. <clears throat> um, and we played really, really well for three quarters Friday night, you know. And uh, you know, they, they were down big, and 
we, we talked to the kids about it just a little bit. He mentioned it today that, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're pretty good when they don't have anything to lose, you know, and they just start getting after it and flying around and taking chances. And I thought, you know, he might not have looked like it, but we kept our poise and uh, made a couple plays when we need to and, and uh, got some defensive rebounds that we needed to get to keep keep them from, you know, getting closer. And, uh, you know, it's nice nice to beat them twice. Friday, you open tournament play in the sectional final. You are the fifth seed. Your opponent, Anthony Wayne, is number 11. The Generals, though, 14-7, and 12-2, and two, and a tie for first in the Northern Lakes League. So I expect that you're planning for a tough game Friday night. Yeah, it, uh, they have a really nice team. They've won uh, 10 of their last 12 games. As you said, won a share of the NLL with Perrysburg. Perrysburg is... You know, was picked to be one of the best teams, if not the best, in Northwest Ohio. They knocked them off and uh, got a share of the league title and have played really well the last month or so. And um, got a really nice guard who can get to the basket and, and good overall size. But uh, you know, I thought we like the way we're playing, and you know, we think uh, you know we, we can get the job done if we uh, come out and play play the way we're capable. Five seniors on the roster for Josh Arthur. Who do you see as being important to contain? Well, their point guard, number 12, uh, uh, I forget his name right now, but uh, uh, he, he's a really nice player. He was a player of the year in the NLL, and um, uh, he, he just is really good penetrating, deceptively quick, gets into the rim and, and scores or gets fouled. Uh, they have another senior uh number 25 who who shoots the ball pretty well and has 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 really been a difference maker from them for them the last eight or nine games playing really well it's up to scoring uh you know several points a game and, and you know it's probably key to them playing so well um and then uh, a couple juniors that mix in or sophomores and uh but their point guard really makes them go now they don't score loads of points around 60 a game but they only give up 56, so that would suggest that they focus a lot on defense. What is your approach against that defense? Well, you know, we're, we're going to just try to run our stuff, and, uh, you know, we think we think we can have some success with a few things, and uh, they'll be prepared, you know, so we have to, you know, hopefully we can disguise a couple of things and, and just be able to be able to execute the way we have, you know, most of the year and make some shots. It seems like there's a lot of illness going around, just the general population. Are you doing okay in terms of health and injuries? Yeah, I think we're fine. Uh, we, we were, we're healthy. We've had a couple of nice practices so far this week, and be ready to go Friday. Fantastic. Finley coach Jim Rookie, thanks for your time all season. We'll plan to see you again next week. Thank you. Uh, hopefully we will uh, hear more from Jim Rookie next week because that will mean that the Trojans are moving on. Sectional final against Anthony Wayne. You'll hear it tonight right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM, airtime 710 this evening right here on WFIN. Other games, other playoff action across our family of stations over on 100.5 WKXA tonight, Liberty Benton meets Carey. Now, in the regular season matchup, the Eagles uh, didn't really, I mean, they handled the Blue Devils pretty pretty easily, but the uh, Blue Devils actually are the higher ranked, uh, the higher seeded team in the bracket. So, clearly, they've got a resume to be reckoned with. So, that one should be a dandy. Meanwhile, over on 106.3 The Fox, it's OG 
and Elmwood this evening. You can follow, follow all of the action, the area teams, at the WFIN scoreboard page, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. Go to WFIN.com scoreboard or get the link at goodmornings.net. Best of luck to all of the area teams, their tournament games this weekend. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Let's see if I can get through this without uh, getting into a coughing fit or something. Still feeling a little bit uh, under the weather. Not quite 100% yet today, so I apologize in advance if I have to uh, (coughs) hack up a lung or something. Off mic. Uh, The odd and unusual side of the news... <laughs> Nearly two dozen ATMs have been found dumped in a creek near Washington, D.C. in recent months. <laughs> Nearly two dozen ATMs. Um, the report is that neighbors have been complaining on social media for some time about the devices being dumped in the creek. <laughs> Eight of them have already been removed by D.C. General Services crews, and another 10 or so will be hauled away, I guess, before the weekend is out. Local police are working with the FBI to figure out where they came from. <laughs> now, that's that's all kinds of weird. I mean, there are so many unanswered questions in that story. Um, <laughs> ATMs in the creek. Do they not notice that there were... Two dozen ATMs gone missing? I mean, how how is this even possible? I mean, you would think, I mean, if you're a bank or something and your ATM goes missing, you'd think that you would um, sound the alarm about that. You would let people know. They don't know who they belong to. There's so many unanswered questions there. I guess we'll, we'll find out in due course. We'll follow that story because there's much more to it, I think, than <laughs> what we're being told. Uh, This is weird. Santa Ana, uh, California, a man is behind bars on suspicion of trying to run pedestrians over at a middle school. Uh, uh, MacArthur Intermediate School in Santa Ana is having late Wednesday afternoon when police showed up. The man refused to pull over and led them on a a chase, which ended when he drove into a water channel and flipped over, causing the car to catch fire. He then climbed out and kept running from police on foot. He was found hiding in a drainage tunnel and arrested. Investigators have not said why he was trying to hit pedestrians. That that chase, though, sounds like something out of uh, out of chips or something. You know, the old TV show or something. <laughs> Drove into a water channel, flipped over, car caught fire. He climbed out, hid in a drainage tunnel. That's just a bad 70s cop show weird uh let's see this is if you are an actor who's had a moderate level of success why would you do something like this an actor who has appeared in shows like curb your enthusiasm and er has been accused of stealing 10 comic books in southern california ray buffer has pleaded not guilty to petty theft Uh, The business Southern California Comics alleges that Mr. Buffer uh, stole 10 comics worth a total of $850 on October 4th, has publicly released surveillance footage of the supposed crime. Footage shows a man appearing to try to hide the comic books under his shirt and walk out of the store. Another comic store 
claims that Mr. Buffer stole from them back in September of last year. I mean, if you're a guy that you would think would be recognized, he's been on these TV shows, so you would think he would be recognized, and you're having some success in your career. It's not like he's a starving actor. He's been on some pretty big shows. Why, why would you risk all of that to steal $850 in comic books? Just don't get it. All right. Speaking of uh, unusual thefts, a New Jersey man has been arrested for allegedly failing to return a new pickup truck that he took out for a test drive. Instead, he took it to a casino in Atlantic City. (laughs) Police say Jason D'Angelo took a white GMC Sierra from a dealership Saturday morning and never came back. The dealership eventually called police that night. He took it in the morning. They called that night. They gave him plenty of time to bring it back. And when he didn't, they called the cops. Police say then they acquired knowledge that the vehicle and Mr. D'Angelo were in the Atlantic City area near the Tropicana Casino. (laughs) Mr. D'Angelo was arrested inside the casino and faces charges related to the incident. Can you really say he's a... And he just took it for a test drive. It didn't say how long that he would have it out or where he intended to go. (laughs) Maybe he was hoping to win enough money to buy the truck. Maybe that's... That's what it was. A couple of other items among the uh, most interesting and uh, unusual uh, news items of the day. <laughs> In Arizona, Philip Powers III has been ordered to pay nearly $300,000 in restitution after... Here's the thing. He supposedly he was convicted of setting three fires in... Arizona, one of which erupted into a 230-acre forest fire. The reason he set the fires, he was out on a hike, got lost, ran out of food and water, and (laughs) was just trying to signal someone to come rescue him. (laughs) Uh, U.S. Judge Camille Bibles uh, ordered... The restitution last week imposing monthly payments of $200 on top of a year of probation. If he sticks to the plan of $200 a month, he will pay off his debt in 122 years. (laughs) His attorneys have already begun an appeal arguing that the fires saved his life uh, after he was uh, exhausted. After getting lost on his hike in May of 2018, he was well into an 18-mile hike through the Prescott and uh, Coconino National Forests. When he became lost and his phone went dead, and so he had no other choice, <laughs> he set a signal fire, <laughs> one of which erupted into a 230-acre forest fire. Oops! <clears throat> uh, but I get where he's coming from. What is he supposed to do? He's just... But, yeah. Setting a fire to... Like it like it happens in the movies. Doesn't Didn't work the way it happens in the movies, I guess. Bottom line. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this is technology gone wrong. Uh, Katie Malone says that Apple is constantly sending her notifications that someone with an Apple AirTag is stalking her. But it turns out that someone is actually her dog. <laughs> this is a report in Engadget. Katie uh, says uh, she fitted her pup 
Rosie with an air tag because she has a pension for running off. And uh, so she put an air tag on the dog's collar so that next time Rosie runs off, she'll be able to track the dog and go retrieve her. But uh, the problem was Katie registered the air tag in her boyfriend's Apple account. So that means that Apple doesn't recognize her iPhone in connection with the AirTag, seeing the unknown tracker as a threat to her safety. So she has to (laughs) manually respond to the alert every time. There's no way to tell it, hey, it's just my dog to disable the recurring notification. Uh, While Katie says she sees the good these devices can do, such as protecting victims of stalking, told you I might have to cough at some point <clears throat> while she sees the uh, the good in letting people know and protecting victims of stalking she says the constant alert notifications are starting uh, to really get on her nerves and are a bit startling to her dog who is the alleged stalker until she finds a solution that works she said I could deal with a minor inconvenience knowing that somewhere out there the feature is helping someone else stay safe so She's at least got the right perspective on the whole thing, but see where that would be annoying after a while. (laughs) There you go. Uh, That is today's. Sometimes uh, technology is great, but it doesn't quite work out every single time. Uh, There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. How much time do you spend on household chores? How much of your free time do you spend just doing the the chores that have to be done? Not the things that you want to do, but the things that just have to be done to keep your household operating. Researchers in the UK have found that on average... Individuals between the ages of 15 and 64 spend, are you ready for this, 43% of their non-working hours on unpaid domestic chores. 43% of our time is spent on these things that we could pay someone to do or we could get somebody else to do. But generally, we just do ourselves. And so that got them to thinking with technology getting ever smarter and who knows, personal robots may be a thing in the next decade. They asked technology experts what household chores would be most likely to be automated in the future. And uh, I thought this was interesting. Again, they uh, they. This is within the next decade. Uh, Grocery shopping was the task most likely to become an automated chore. 59% 
of the experts said within the next decade, uh, most of us would automate our groceries. Imagine not having to do that uh, anymore. Um, let's see here. Most experts, many experts, predicted that automation would replace domestic labor, 42%. I guess that would be things like cleaning the house, doing the laundry, that kind of thing. Uh, interestingly, more experts in the UK predicted that uh, domestic labor would be replaced by robots than tech experts in Japan. When we think of the Japanese being more tech savvy, but only 36% of experts in Japan said uh, domestic labor could be replaced with uh, automation. The, the least automatable task was childcare. <laughs> We're not going to put robots in, in charge of taking care of our kids. 21% though said that that would even be possible, I think was, uh, was kind of interesting. And here's the thing. This is what is amazing to me. Uh, when you average it all out, all of the things that people, that these experts believe could be automated, that robots could do within the next decade, again, this is by 2033, the experts collectively predicted that on average, we could reclaim 39% of the time that we currently spend on any given domestic work task that will be the job for robots within the next 10 years. 39% of that time, we could reclaim to do whatever it is that we want to do. So I know that a lot of folks are not all that keen on the way technology and artificial intelligence and everything is taking over our lives. But in this case, if it means recapturing nearly all of our free time, to do the things that we want to do instead of those menial tasks that we have to do. Is it really all that bad? That would be the upside, I would think. Anyway, within the next decade, they say. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio with another collection of yummy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. Every time I hear that song, I think Charlie Brown for some odd reason. Really? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It does have kind of a Charlie Brown feel it to it. It has a Charlie Brown feel. Okay. All right. <laughs> Just had to Well, if you want, off. we can come up with uh, something new. No, no. So, I like okay. it. All right. All right. <laughs> no, I like it. I Every time I hear it, that's how I think of Charlie Brown. I like Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. <laughs> okay, well, we'll just let that kind of play out. <laughs> the doctor is in. Yeah. Or in this case, the cook is in. The cook is in. There we go. Right. Uh, so uh, this morning, this is uh, this is kind of an interesting recipe. We had this uh, the other day, and I really liked it. But yep. then again, we are big fans of Cincinnati yes, chili. If you are. don't like Cincinnati chili, yeah. forget about it. Yeah. Because this is yeah. not going to no. change. This is not going to be for you. But no. if you uh, are a fan of Cincinnati chili, love, Skyline or Gold Star yeah. or you know Any anything like that, yep. uh, this is actually a really unique way of using the Cincinnati chili. It's yeah. a Cincinnati chili pizza. pizza. Yeah. Yes. And this was uh, a friend a friend of mine on Facebook posted it. And I was like, huh, 
I have all those ingredients. (laughs) Let's do it. And I did it. And it was really good. So (laughs) so it's one 6.5 ounce uh, pizza crust or your own homemade pizza crust, which I did. Yep. Uh, One 10.5 ounce can of Cincinnati chili, a half a cup of diced onion, two cups of cheddar cheese shredded, four beef franks sliced, and yellow mustard is optional. Mm -hmm. So preheat your oven to 425 degrees. Make pizza crust according to the directions on your package. Roll out the pizza crust on a floured surface, then place uh, on a pizza pan. I I like doing mine in my iron skillet. Mm-hmm. This one I did actually do. Um, I did this one in. I think was this. I did. I I think I did use the iron skillet for this one. Yeah, I did. It is a great way to it is. do uh, pizza crust. Yeah. I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the iron skillet it's is really great. good. Yeah. So then, um, so with the iron skillet, then I melt uh, butter in there uh, in the oven. I put the iron skillet in the oven with the butter, and then I put the pizza crust in. Then I bake it for about five minutes, just the pizza crust. Okay. Uh, then take the crust out of the oven and spread the chili on top of the crust. So instead of tomato sauce, right. you're spreading the chili. Spreading the chili. Okay. The chili okay. is your sauce. Yeah. And then, uh, and then add onion and your beef franks and top with your cheese and then bake an additional 15 to 20 minutes. And then if you want to, you can drizzle it with some mustard on top um, and then cut and serve. Slice and serve yep. and you're, uh, you're good to go. The Cincinnati uh, chili pizza. Cincinnati yes. chili pizza. It is really good. Yes. And, you know, just a creative way of doing yeah. Cincinnati chili. So. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan, you can try it. Uh, also have a recipe for pull-apart garlic bread. Yep. So for the pull-apart, for the bread, it is one 16-ounce can of your jumbo flaky biscuits. And the flaky biscuits are the easier ones for this uh, because the flaky biscuits kind of full apart, pull apart because mm-hmm. uh, what you want to do is kind of pull each one of them apart. And then you're for the middle stuff, you have three tablespoons of butter melted, one teaspoon of a Italian seasoning, a half a tablespoon of garlic powder, and one cup of Italian-style blend uh, shredded cheese. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Uh, Spray a bread loaf pan with cooking spray. Open up your biscuits. So you've got um, you've got all your biscuits separated. Well, then you want to separate them again. Um, And then you're going to put that. uh, the seasoning and the melted butter in between all of them. Kind uh-huh. of brush it on all of it. Kind of in a then, layer sort yes, of thing. Yes, in a layer. And then you're going to layer them back up on top of each other. And then you're going to, um, and you're going to stack it like a tower. Okay. And then place it sideways in the loaf pan and bake for about 25 to 30 minutes until golden brown. Hmm. All right. So, so pull apart garlic bread. Yes. And for dessert, uh, our dessert recipe is a red velvet cake crispy treats yes so this is like a rice cake crispy treats so it's like a rice crispy treat all right so uh a half a cup of butter one 10 point ounce bag of mini marshmallows one third cup of dry uh red velvet cake mix uh six cups of rice cereal and one 16 ounce container of cream cheese frosting so line a 10 by 15 inch jelly roll pan with foil and grease lightly with cooking spray Set aside, then in a large saucepan, melt your butter over low heat, add your marshmallows, stir until the marshmallows are melted. Remove from the heat, 
um, and add in dry cake mix. Stir all that together until it's completely incorporated. Then stir in your rice cereal. Coat that evenly with your marshmallow mixture. Then pour the mixture onto your prepared pan and press evenly. So it's going to be a little bit thinner than your normal Rice Krispie treats. But then what you're going to do is you're going to cut that in half. And then you're going to put your frosting on top of one of the halves and then take the other half, put it on top of that kind of. So again, you're layering it. Yeah, you're layering it, kind of smoosh it down a little bit and then uh, let it sit for a little while. And then cut and enjoy. Hmm. All right. Yeah. There you go. Great ideas. Yes. Uh, familiar stuff with a little, a little uh, twist creative twist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the Cincinnati chili pizza, the pull apart garlic bread, and the red velvet cake crispy treats. Yes. Those recipes are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. Yep. At Kyra's Kitchen, WFIM on Facebook. So if you haven't liked uh, her page, you can do that. We've got it linked up at uh, goodmornings.net as well. And uh, so we're into the Lenten season. Next week, we're going to highlight some Lent related, uh, like fish, uh, seafood, non-meat recipes. And here's the challenge. We have a challenge (laughs) for you to share your favorite of your Lenten recipes. If you have a family favorite that Mm -hmm. you do uh, during the Lenten season, you can share them again on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. You can email them to us goodmornings at wfim.com and uh, we will collect some yep. of those and feature some yeah. Lent well, recipes. Well, we've got, we've got time. You know, we we got, do have time. we got 40 we days. Got, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We've got some time. we so, got a journey. <laughs> uh, you can uh, share your favorite Lenten recipes. We'd love yep. to hear them. Again, at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program today. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.